welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. Mailbag. <laughs> See, I, I gave you the pause because I knew you were coming. Still funny. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Such a brat. <laughs> I know. I was a younger sibling. Can you tell? Oh my gosh. So was I. And yet. <laughs> so folks, we are back for another mailbag edition as Brenna yelled in my face. And uh, <laughs> Not sorry. <laughs> are on a roll today yep. I so know. we have an email from listener keith and keith is interested about our history with ya and why we like it so i love this because keith is a spillover listener from your real podcast <laughs> we don't say real it's not that this one is any less valid <laughs> So Keith writes, I've been listening to Joe's other podcast, Horror Queers, for a while now, which is how I found this podcast. I'm a big fan of HKHS and feel validated that I'm not the only person over the age of 25 who enjoys reading or watching YA properties. Listen, we have Keith, dozens. Some of us are some of us are joining the 40 Club this this year. Oh so, boy. Yep. <laughs> so you know, uh, I get it. I get I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna start again. Yep. Ha. Huh. So Keith asks, I'm just curious what it is about YA that you enjoy so much. I feel like it's a genre where as people, once we reach a certain age, we're expected to grow up. Hear my air quotes, Joe, grow up yeah. and move away from this genre. And when people find out you still enjoy it as an adult, eyebrows get raised. Did you grow up consuming YA and as you got older, you just never left it? Or did you find it later in life and realize it's a lot more complex than people give it credit for? So mm-hmm. Joe, I'm going to defer to your answer first on this one because I'm curious. Okay. Uh, So if folks have listened to some of the milestone episodes of the show, you'll know that Brenna and I, in part, have a relationship because we work together at university, Mm -hmm. but we really bonded when we took a class on YA literature. So it's part of our our shared genesis and our story together. (laughs) Our personal mythology. Yeah. But – I feel like that was actually a a really important turning point for me because I was always a voracious reader as Mm. a young adult, but I wasn't always reading young adult stuff. Like I read a lot of comics. Uh, I would read not horror stuff, but, you know, I read Christopher Pike a lot and that kind of thing. And I fell away from it. So it wasn't really until that class that we took and I realized there's a lot more to this than I had initially anticipated. Like, I don't think it's until you start to process the the gamut of what's available under the YA canon. And, you know, Keith says genre, I think you and I have in the past called it a bit more of a category because mm-hmm. it is so sprawling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, that was that was one of the really important moments where I realized this is significant. And then when you and I decided to kind of keep in touch more regularly, we realized, oh, this is a shared passion we should rediscover together. Yeah, totally. I um I think that my trajectory is not dramatically different. I like a lot of bookish nerdy kids. I <laughs> I sort of exhausted the YA section of my small rural library probably when I was about 11. Right. And then I went on to read like, oh man, Joe, I read so much Canlit like women's fiction. Sure. Yeah. As a young adult like I grew up with such a weird idea of what marriage <laughs> was oh, based yeah. on reading like exclusively Carol Shields novels. But oh, no. <laughs> I know, right? A little bleak. <laughs> um, but all that to say, I think coming back to YA in my adulthood, the thing that really grips me about YA is that, you know, that that moment of coming of age is so significant and emotions are so on the surface. Mm-hmm. And 
it's a cathartic category to read, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, I like that. I like that the emotions are heightened. I like that everything feels huge and big because mm-hmm. that to me is a, a pretty magical aspect of the teen years. Um, I would never want to be a teenager again. Like, no. <laughs> I, you know, when people are like, oh man, if only I could relive high school. I'm like, wow, then Hard pass. I never, absolutely not. No chance. But the emotional resonances of that time of life, I have a lot of nostalgia for. So I think that yeah. I really appreciate that. And then there's also a layer, as we've talked about on the show, for me, a real layer has been added by becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. Because I want to know what is informing youth culture. And I'm curious about the ways in which conversations about things like gender and sexuality, like I'm I'm curious about what kids have access to mm-hmm. in that area, like in, around those concerns. And so reading contemporary YA for me always makes me feel like I might, you know, stay at least marginally relevant to my own child going through those <laughs> concerns. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel that really deeply as well. Particularly, you know, I think when you and I started the podcast, one of the things we were concerned with is that we might, it's the funniest thing when you talk to people who do podcasts, what if we run out of text, (laughs) And lo and behold, it's actually, it's become overwhelming. The number of things that we could cover hypothetically on the show. Like I remember when Max wrote in, asking us to consider doing that Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I thought, well, that'll be if we ever like really scrape the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) Not because it was a bad idea, but just because it seemed like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize this was a text we could cover. There are so many. And, you know, one of the things you and I have really found joy in doing is unpacking how broad the category Mm -hmm. truly does get, right? Mm -hmm. I... I think I find the most pleasure now out of seeing how people acknowledge the tropes and conventions, which is one of the things that Keith mentions in the email. They say it has a fair scope of tropes and can be formulaic, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot can be learned from it. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree. Mm -hmm. And I also find it really compelling to see how people not just play within those, but also how they try to subvert them or know that the audience has them. And as Mm -hmm. a result, they they either lean into it or they go against it or they they challenge them like Mm -hmm. The people who are writing YA, I think, are some of the smartest people because you're an adult trying to put yourself into the mindset of a teenager to either impart a life lesson or to write them in a compelling, intelligent way. Like, sorry, I know now I'm rambling. One of the things that I find most frustrating about the people who are dismissive of YA are the folks who try to belittle it like it's not Mm. well-written text. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, actually, I think it's harder to write than some adult fiction. Yeah, I think it's it's the idea of voice, right? And yeah. we certainly hold text to task when the voice isn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it's this idea of perspective, right? Like I think mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to do a sort of Stephen King stand by me thing where you sit in your adult position and you reflect back on your childhood. Sure. Yeah. Than it is to actually create and embody that that youth character who is so far from your current experience because one of the things about aging is that you you get a different perspective on mm-hmm. childhood, right? And so to write without that filter, I think, is actually a really complex thing to do. And I'm interested in it from that craft perspective as well. Yeah, yeah. So really, if you think about it, we're touching on different types of writing technique, 
different genres and subgenres. We've not really talked about the kind of geographical specificity or even the historical specificity. Like, I really enjoyed reading some of these older books with you and trying to contextualize how and why things were meaningful or banned Mm -hmm. or outrageous or even sometimes language like linguistically there's things where we have to unpack it because it's the word has changed it means a different thing now yeah and i find ya does such a good job of encapsulating all of the different ways that the world changes over time because even like what it means to be a teenager in the 1950s when it wasn't even a word compared to what it means in 2023 it's vast right it's so significant totally yeah no i agree completely and i think that in terms of just podcast fodder, the fact that we can do a horror episode and then a romance episode and mm-hmm. then like a, a webtoon and it's all still YA, um, just yes. like from a from the mercenary perspective of programming a show, <laughs> there's <laughs> there's lots to work with, and you know that does make it as you said before overwhelming. Like I find. Well, you know how long I put off planning book club for this year because I was just like, there's too many books. I can't do it. Too many. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that I've really enjoyed is learning like Keith that I'm not alone. You know, Mm -hmm. our show isn't massive. Uh, We have a very dedicated listener. Don't forget to rate and review us. (laughs) (laughs) Please, God. (laughs) But uh, the people who are interested in it are often incredibly passionate. And some of the conversations that we've had with listeners when they've responded to book club prompts, when they write us in independently, when they tell us about what the show means to them, I do get a different sense of community with people who are actively consuming YA compared to my horror peeps who, you know, we were vast and we spread our money out across like any number of questionable texts. But I... (laughs) I do find that YA folks are often a little bit more disconcerting, like they're far more likely to prod beneath the surface and be like, I really want to interrogate this a little Mm. bit more, like I want to have conversations about it. Yeah, and it's interesting too, and I wonder if that comes from the fact that you're already always sort of trying to um, justify Mm -hmm. (laughs) the choice of what you listen to, that you're kind of already ready to have that Right. That, I got my back up. <laughs> yeah. You're already ready to have that critical conversation. I don't know what, what it is, but it's true that, I mean, maybe it's just our listeners, Joe, but we get the savviest, most interesting, yeah. thoughtful responses, especially to book club. Mm-hmm. And that part of it is also really rewarding. Like, I never feel like we're going to run out of themes or ideas or like complexities to talk about. And that's really rewarding, too. Yeah, particularly now that some of our listeners are actively trying to court us into reading different types of texts and the folks who have been really generous with recommending international, foreign, non-English language texts and that kind of stuff, like we're really getting some fascinating picks and discussions as a result because – you know, it's just you and I who are programming the show, (laughs) but as soon as we start to open the floodgates, the water level rises dramatically. Yeah. Yeah, and that part's been great. And finding out what texts were and are important to folks in different parts of the world, that part's yeah. been fascinating too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like maybe we strayed away from why we like YA yeah. and now it's more like, why do why we do like we doing this, this show? show? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, it's one of those things where we both saw Key Seabill come in and I just thought, 
Oh, I don't think we've ever actually talked about that. No, I don't know <laughs> that we like have either. 250 episodes later. <laughs> for me, I think if I have to encapsulate it for the purposes of this episode, I think it really is about the sort of emotional immediacy of YA, right? With everything mm-hmm. being really on the surface and that that visceral uh, – uh, to turn my own phrase, there's like a visceral nostalgia when I read YA mm. and it keeps me coming back all over and over and over again, obviously, for, yeah, as you mentioned, 250 some odd episodes. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, it it is just how broad the category is. Like, I love the fact that we can read a completely different genre, a completely different language, mode, text, uh, all of these things. Like, there's just such vastness in it. Mm-hmm. And I really love the way that people play with it. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that's the attraction now. Absolutely. Yeah, so thanks for the question, Keith. And uh, remember, folks, if you want to submit your own thoughts for the mailbag, it's hkhspod at gmail.com. Or if you've got something shorter, you can find us on Twitter at hkhspod or on the hashtag hkhspod. Joe, where do they find you? I'm at B, still on my remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, and that's Gray with an A. And uh, we'll look forward to another regular episode on Tuesday and another opportunity for me to interrupt Joe on Friday. (laughs) it's so true Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and that part's been great and finding out what texts are and finding out tech Mm -hmm. particularly now that our listeners are actively trying to court us into read into people once we reach a certain age we're expected to grow up and move away from this genre Oh my god. Mm-hmm. George! Shut up. I'm right here. He does this thing where he goes down... Sorry, I know this is, we're trying to he record this He goes to another room and cries. He, he, goes in, he goes downstairs and then he forgets that he left. I never moved. Mm-hmm. I was upstairs the whole time. Okay, sorry. Cats are done, man. I'm going to start again. Yep. Huh. <sighs>